Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Thank you so much, Wendy and team. Brad, you are one of my top three favorite drummers here at East Hills. And I mean that. Actually, he's, he's top two. And Evan's also top two. I'm like my third favorite. Um, if you are not in this front row and beyond fifth grade, I'm not talking to you right now, but you're welcome to listen. Joseph, how are you? Good. Okay. So I want to know from you guys, what are some things that a knight might carry into battle? A shield. A shield. Sword. A sword. Think he'll wear anything on his head? Maybe a helmet? A helmet? Okay, sword shield, helmet. Maybe something to protect the important bits here, like a chest protector of some sorts. Baseball catchers also wear them, I've heard. Um, today, my son is going to help me. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about the shield, because we are going through Ephesians 6. My son told me he was going to help me. We'll see, we'll see how hard his girlfriend pushes on him. Oops, now he's embarrassed. I'm in trouble. Okay, maybe my son's girlfriend will come help me. Okay, thank you. So, it, it's easy. You just do what you're asked. Okay. So, like, as we go through life, right, if we're following Christ, there are things that will be hard. Maybe there are darts that might fly at us. And if they, if they fly at us and we're not ready, then they hit us, right? We're following Jesus. We're going along. Then there's temptations. And there's, like, a place where it might be easier to lie than tell the truth. And these things come at us, and they can affect how we're feeling. Because I just got hit with four darts. That was very mean of you, Ashlyn. She's not really the enemy. She's just, she's very nice. She's very nice. But in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us to take up the shield of faith. As we follow Jesus, we have our faith in Jesus. And that shield, it doesn't make it so that fiery darts don't fly at us, but it does make it so that the fiery darts don't hit us. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Like things are going to happen that aren't going to be easy, even when we're following Jesus. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. When we have our shield of faith, the darts that were hurting before, she hit my innards right here in my kidney. I don't know where my kidney is. <laughs> so next, next week, come back and somebody tell me where my kidney is, okay? But those, those fiery darts are going to be blocked by our shield of faith. So as, as you guys are going to go downstairs in just a minute, I saw your snacks. I'm a little jealous. Allie went a little above and beyond. But um, can you guys just reach out your hand? I want to pray for them as they go. Heavenly Father, thank you for these young humans. God, I pray that they would love you. God, that you would draw their heart to you, that they would choose to live a life of faith. God, I pray for us as a church family that we would... Um, just live a life of faith in front of them and with them that would inspire them to follow you, God. I pray today that they would enjoy their time with Allie, that they would have fun, have a good snack, but mostly, God, that they would learn your truth in your word so they can stand firm as they go through life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you very much, Ashlyn. All right, sneak out. Very quiet, very quiet. Um, hopefully my next helper doesn't back out. Denise, are you still willing to read? Or I can have Ashlyn come and read. She can just... I'm just <laughs> awesome. Uh, Denise is going to read our scripture for this morning. She is part of my small group. If you also want to be a part of my small group, we meet on Tuesdays at Mike's house. Uh, we have food. We pray together. We sing together. Uh, check it out. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. You're smart. I don't know if it's on. It looks on. 
It's on. Good morning, friends and family. Father, I ask that you bless the reading of this word. This is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take up a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can, can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare in fearlessly, fearlessly, as I should, <coughs> excuse me, let me repeat that. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Thank you so much, Denise. So there I was, standing on the port aft catwalk of the USS Tarawa, Eagle of the Sea, number one on the whole, number one in your heart. At least that's what they made us say every morning. Um, I was standing there with my M14 rifle on my shoulder and what I assume is a World War II era bulletproof, bulletproof vest. Um, we were in the Navy. We didn't really need those things very often. But when we did, we had them. It was hot. I was sweaty. And I didn't want to be there. Uh, most of my time spent in the Navy was not on the port aft catwalk. Uh, standing anchor watch. Um, you see, I was, a, I was a radar technician, which means that most of my time in the Navy upon a ship was spent up in the island. Is my picture up there yet? Can my picture be up there? Oh, look at that. It's magnificent. I miss you. Yeah. Not really. I don't. It's not true. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but I spent most of my time up there in the island in an air-conditioned space. And you can imagine that's a lovely place to be uh, when you're out to sea and it's hot. Um, I did maintenance on, on radar, so I fixed the spinny things when they weren't working. And also, if you're in IT and there's like people who call you with problems and then you go in, there's not really a problem. We did some of that with the operators of the radar consoles. Um, one day, actually, during flight operations, uh, because as you can see, we have uh, helicopters. We also had Harriers. During flight operations, I went down to buy a soda from the vending machine, and I was wearing my coat. You see, because it's, it's air-conditioned up in our spaces because all our gear needs to stay the right temperature. And this young man who had been doing flight operations, he's like, why are you wearing a coat? I was like, because it's really cold upstairs. 
And I felt kind of bad because like he just spent hours out in the sun sweating through his turtleneck. Um, so I felt a little bit bad, but most of my time was pretty comfortable while I was in the Navy. It wasn't spent with an M14 on my shoulder. But for some reason, our department, who worked up there, spent most of our time, uh, or we were responsible for the port aft catwalk, which means that uh, I got to grind it and paint it. And when we were underway, I got to stand watch with an M14 and a flak jacket that might have stopped a bullet in World War II. Like, the one I was wearing might have stopped a bullet in World War II. I don't know. I didn't look that closely for bullet holes. Um, and my, my boat, uh, it's, it's a good-looking boat. Uh, it's decommissioned now. It's actually rusting off of Hawaii. It's very sad. Um, but it was, it was pretty much a, a large gray bus. Uh, so it was 800 sailors, 2,000 Marines. Uh, so we just took them over, they did their thing, and we brought them home. And, and one time when we went away, we got to go through the Red Sea, uh, up through the Suez Canal, and into the Mediterranean, which this picture that I Googled, I didn't have it, is from when I was on the boat in 2005, and when Egypt is behind us. So I was, I don't know if you can see me, I, I can't. But if you, if you find me, let me know, because I was there. And this is pretty rare for a West Coast boat. We don't often get to go up that far. Usually the East Coast boats go in there into the Mediterranean. But we got to be there, and then we got to spend some time anchored off of Egypt. I'm not bitter at all. Our Marines didn't take their gear off. That's why we sat anchored off of Egypt, while the other three boats went up to Crete for three days in port. I'm a little bitter, but I'm trying to get over it. Because um, as, as neat as it is to be in that part of the world... And to get to see those things, um, walking back and forth on the aft port catwalk with the M14 is something I've never seen on anybody's list of things to do in the Mediterranean. It's not, it's not most people would choose to spend their time there. So whilst most of my time in the Navy was good, I grew as a person during that time. There was a lot of things I liked in it uh, that made me a better man. Not all of my time was comfortable. Uh, some of it was beaches in Hawaii and playing table tennis against Wayne Anthony. And the best thing about table tennis against Wayne Anthony was he thought he could beat me. And we would play like two out of three games and the loser would buy lunch. And I didn't pay for lunch all week in Hawaii because he just, he knew he could beat me. And it was, I mean, it was Burger King. It like wasn't great lunch, but it was free lunch. And that's always the best. And that was, that was some of my time in the Navy. But some of my time in the Navy was standing watch or being woken up at 2 a.m. to fix a radar or uh, being out to sea with only sea that we can see for 120 days straight um, or being gone from family for six or seven months. So there was good things and there was bad things. And I think, I think that's true as we follow Christ as well. There are times when everything seems to be going well, when it's a joy to spend time reading God's word or to be in his presence, when uh, we just enjoy life and family and things go well. But there are also times of trial. There are times that we don't understand what God might be up to, and there are times of loss, of dis- disappointment, and of grief. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I expect that my life following Jesus will be easy. I've never read that in the scriptures. I just think that, oh, I'm following Jesus. Jesus is king of the universe. This will be easy. Um, But it's not always easy. It will not always be sunshine and daffodils. Um, But Jesus doesn't promise a comfortable life. If If you're filling in blanks, those are the first ones. Also, if you're filling in blanks and later you see that I used the wrong spelling for week, I messed up, and I'm sorry. If you're an English teacher, you can come lecture me afterwards, and I'm okay with that. I deserve it. If you don't know me, my name is Wayne. If you do know me, my name is 
Still Wayne, actually. Uh, I'm doing my best to follow Jesus and walk with others as they follow Jesus. I have the privilege of serving here at East Hills, and sometimes I use humor to mask when I'm nervous. Um, isn't it weird that for so many years we've had a Batman shampoo, but nobody's ever made a conditioner, Gordon? I think it's weird. Uh, we are currently going through a sermon series called Equipped, where we're looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the armor of God. Here at the end of Paul's letter, uh, Paul lays out the armor that we need to have equipped to stand against the evil one. A belt, a breastplate, a sword, which if I say sword later, I'm not trying to be funny. I just pronounce it that way sometimes because like 12-year-old me thought it was funny, and it got stuck. A helmet and, of course, a shield. Now, sometimes I struggle with uh, the battle and war imagery in Scripture. Uh, when I look at the Crusades and other violent things that have been done in the name of Jesus, uh, that's pretty awful and that hurts my heart. So uh, sometimes my tactic is to just underemphasize uh, the spiritual warfare, the be ready for battle, the, uh, the soldier of God stuff. I just kind of just go, yeah, maybe. Um, but I don't think that is actually a healthy way to deal with it. I think a key way of viewing this passage in a healthy way is to remember who the enemy is. Uh, Paul tells us in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Uh, This isn't a call to get suited up and and take on those humans who we claim are our enemies. It's not a call to fight against those awful Democrats or those awful Republicans. It's not a call to attack those who disagree with us with the sword of truth. And it's not a call to justify injustice in the name of Jesus. It's a call to be ready. It's a call to stand firm because we have a real enemy. And that real enemy wants to come between us and God. He is the tempter, the accuser, the Satan. Your next blank, we are in a battle whether we know it or not. We are in a battle whether we know it or not. I'm going to read again our passage in Ephesians. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet, sorry, I got lost, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take a helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So why, why do we need armor? Why do we need to carry a shield when Jesus told us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us? What does the gear of a Roman soldier have to do with a life of following and learning from Rabbi Jesus? As Josh mentioned a couple weeks ago, our fight isn't against people. Jesus didn't come to overthrow the oppressive Roman government of his day, but to bring God's kingdom on earth. And if we are living in the kingdom of God, then Satan 
and his minions are an enemy, and they're a real enemy. They will come after us with lies, deceptions, and half-truths. After I typed those three words, I realized they were the same thing. But he will come after with lies, deceptions, and half-truths to try and draw us away from the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual warfare is a reality. Uh, Sometimes for me, spiritual warfare is one of those things that I think there's people who think everything is spiritual and those who think nothing are spiritual. And sometimes when those things happen, I just decide to not care. Um, But I think there's somewhere like in this area that is true about spiritual warfare. Uh, Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan. Jesus drove out demons, and Jesus told Peter that Satan had asked to sift him as wheat. So obviously Jesus saw that there was a spiritual realm that affected our lives. Jesus believed that there was a spiritual reality to this world. I also think that our caricatures of the devil uh, and the demons encumber our ability to think well of the spiritual world. Uh, whether it's paintings of two cowboys roping a devil, which uh, Sky talked about last week in a meeting, and I had to go Google, because who doesn't want to see that? Or uh, Bugs Bunny with an angel on one shoulder and, his, and a devil on the nether. Um, those things can just lead us to think that Satan is silly and made up and not an issue at all. But there is a spiritual world and forces at work that we can't see and aren't always aware of. In 1 Peter 4, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you. As if something unusual were happening, instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. And then verse 19 says, So then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. If I'm honest, and hopefully I would be, especially when I'm talking in front of people for the Lord, if I'm honest, sometimes I'm surprised when fiery ordeals come at me. I can get settled into the routine of following Christ, of of walking and praying in the morning, of doing my best to love my family, of reading scripture and enjoying worship music. Um, And then I'm surprised because things are going pretty well, and then wham, fiery ordeals. Um, The life that Christ has called us to is a full life, and it is a good life, but not necessarily a safe, comfortable, or easy life. Now, these verses do point out a difference between those suffering righteously because they're living right and those who are... um, not who are suffering consequences because of poor decisions and evil motives. Uh, but I love the end. I love that reminder that we have a faithful creator. Through whatever trials we're facing, we serve a good and a loving God. Later in 1 Peter in chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt to you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So in this verse, there's good news. God cares for you, right? Castor cares on him because he cares for you. That is good news. In this verse, there is also less good news. You have an adversary who is prowling around like a lion who wants to eat you. I've never had a lion wanting to eat me, but that seems like bad news. We see in these verses that God won't keep us from facing trials, but that God will always be with us. 
Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. It says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We will walk through tough times. We will walk through hard things. There is attacks of an enemy, but God will be with us. In the Chronicles of Narnia, which is about where my reading level is, so I really enjoy it. I don't even read it, I listen to it. It's about where my listening level is, so I enjoy it. Um, I saw the movie before I read the book. Um, but there's, there's these four children. I won't spoil much, but there's four children. They're the Pevensies. They're British, so that's fun. They have accents. And the youngest one is Lucy, and they end up in this magical land called Narnia. And uh, they meet some beavers, and of course the beavers talk, because it's Narnia. And they're, they're having uh, fish and chips with these beavers, and um, they're talking about Aslan and, and who he is. And um, Lucy, the youngest girl, asks, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver, who is maybe one of my favorite characters in the movie, he's probably okay in the book too. Um, Mr. Beaver says, safe, who ever said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king after all. Sometimes I want following Jesus to be safe. God doesn't promise safe, but God is good. God is the king. In James 1, it says, count it all joy when you face trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance. So we don't need to be surprised when trials come our way, but we do know that God is walking through those with us. So we've established that we're in a battle, and in a battle, a shield seems like a good idea. But what is faith? Sometimes the word faith just feels like, oh, it's faith. It's great. Have faith in this. And um, you know, as a youth pastor, you always ring up a chair and you're like, do you have faith in the chair? And you sit down like, oh, like the chair held you. Yay. But what is faith? Hebrews 11 tells us now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen for by this, our ancestors were approved by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Uh, the chapter then goes on to talk about uh, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, and some other people who did things, great things, by faith. So our shield against the fiery attacks of the evil one is our trust in God's goodness and his character. A Bible dictionary says of faith within Christianity, faith is the attitude of trust in God, including beliefs about God and his goodness that is essential to a right relationship with God. Many theologians regard faith as including various dimensions, including trust, propositional belief, and a willingness to act obediently. Our faith needs to impact our lives. The book of James, again, tells us that faith without works is dead. If we claim to have faith and are to be following Christ in our lives and our actions should show that. They should, they should line up with that. We take our faith, and our faith leads us to action. With faith, we give up control in our own lives. And rely on God's power and God's unfailing goodness. When we pick up our faith, we lay down our need to control and trust in the goodness of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us multiple times to stand firm. Uh, when we keep our focus on Jesus, we can stand in the face of adversary, we can stand in the face of hard times, and we can stand even when there are fiery darts being shot at us. And sometimes... For me, at least, I feel like I need to have a, a big faith, right? Like I need, like if there are fiery darts coming at me, like I don't want, I don't want, I don't want a shield like this. Um, partly because it's, it's foam. And 
I never tested that fiery darts would catch us on fire because it's special to me. My son got it when he was five at Legoland. Um, but like, if I'm, if, if fiery darts come in, like I want the biggest shield I can have. Um, I don't want to tell you guys that over the last two weeks I went to Amazon to see how much a full-size Captain America shield costed because uh, I really just wanted to do the whole, I just, I couldn't quite, I was closer than I should have been, but I couldn't quite justify it. If, I, if I'm facing fiery darts, I want to have a big faith. But Jesus says in Matthew 17 to his disciples, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and I'm not a seed guy, farmer I think they're called, but mustard seeds are small. Jesus says, for truly I tell you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, Timothy Keller says in his book, The Reason for God, it is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. I feel smarter just reading words that that guy wrote. Um, uh, our faith is important, but what our faith is in is significantly more important. And for me, it's, it's hard to talk about faith without talking a little bit about doubt. I think sometimes in Christianity, we're like, I need to like always have faith and never doubt anything. When we see the disciples doubting, we don't see Jesus rebuking them or condemning them. When Thomas comes in, Jesus shows him what he needed to see. And we also see the man who comes to Jesus pleading for his child to be healed. And Jesus says, if you have faith, and the man says, I do believe, help my unbelief. As we follow Christ, as we have faith, questions and doubt aren't the enemy. We're allowed to have those. We're allowed to wrestle through those. I know we can feel like I need to always have faith. And if we have a little bit of not faith or a little bit of doubt, that can just throw us into a loop. Um, but ask questions, have doubt, talk to people, get prayer. At the end of Hebrews 11, the writer sounds a bit like a preacher. He says, I don't have time to tell you about this, but let me tell you about this. Um, Hebrews 11.32, And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. He actually continues to talk about them a little bit more than that after he says he doesn't have time to talk about them. Uh, one example from the Old Testament that I want to look at briefly today is in the third chapter of Daniel. Uh, Daniel has been, and other Hebrews have been taken into slavery. Uh, Daniel has three friends. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you're familiar with VeggieTales, their names are Rack, Shack, and Benny. If you're familiar with preachers trying to be funny, it's your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. <laughs> have, some, have none of you heard a preacher say that before? Man, you guys got to listen to preachers that are worse than the ones you are, apparently. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. If you've never read that story, go read it. I won't tell you how it ends. Um, but his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're invited to this big event where King Nebuchadnezzar has put up this big golden statue, and all of his officials were there. And then he says, when this instrument, and this instrument, and this instrument, and this instrument sound, you're all going to worship and bow down to the statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't bow down. They keep standing. And then one of the other officials is a tattletale. And he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, hey, these guys, they, they didn't do it. They didn't bow. What are you, you going to do, king? 
And King Nebuchadnezzar is a little bit uh, furious, or maybe he's all the way furious. I don't know if he can be a little bit furious. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is furious. So he comes over and he's, he's, he's heating the furnace seven times hotter because apparently the hot fire wasn't hot enough already. He's making it hotter. He's threatening them. He's like, hey, when we play this, like, I'm going to give you another chance. Maybe you didn't understand the instructions. When you hear the instruments, you bow down. It's simple. But, you know, language barriers, maybe they just didn't get it. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar threatens them. And in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, do you ever read your Bible and think it's weird that you can just read Nebuchadnezzar like it's a normal word? Like, that's weird looking. Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to, get, to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, which they believe he does, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. If you don't know how the story ends, go home and read it. Daniel chapter 3, it's in the Old Testament. Faith is knowing that God can do something and trusting in God regardless of what the outcome might be. The CSB Study Bible notes say of this verse, they were saying that God might deliver them or he might choose not to do so. Their faith in God did not rest on the belief that he would perform a miracle, but that their sovereign God could be trusted. Faith is knowing that God can do something and trusting in God regardless of what the outcome might be. Does our faith in God rest on the plan turning out the way that we want it to? Or does our faith in God rest in his goodness and his character and his unfailing love? Sometimes it can feel daunting to try and keep faith through a challenging season as, as arrows are coming at you from every which way. But when you have arrows coming at you and you're feeling overwhelmed, all you have to do is remember the tortoise. That seems weird. Is there a picture behind me yet? Maybe it'll show up if I turn around. I really need to turn the page noise, don't I? That'd be great. I should have a picture of shields. Ah. Sorry, Stephen. I should be more clear. That's my fault. But, um, so this is a formation that Roman officers or Roman armies would sometimes use in battle. These are likely the type of shields that Paul is talking about. Tall ones, they're curved. Never thought about why they would have curved shields, but like if something hits you straight, like that's still a lot, but if it's like curved, it, ding! Math, not my thing. Also English, not my thing. Still trying to find my thing. They would form a tortoise. The actual name is a Latin word for tortoise. That's far enough from Latin words. So they would form a tortoise to be able to stay safe. When we have some fiery arrows flying our way, we can surround ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ who can also raise their shields of faith. Your next blank, if you're following along, or if you just want to start now, that's cool too. When our faith is weak, we can lean on the faith of others. When our faith is weak, we can lean on the faith of others. We don't have to walk alone. We don't always have to be strong enough. We are not called to face the enemy, to face this life by ourselves. We are called to do this in community with brothers and sisters on Christ. 
and leaning on others in our community is like absolutely fantastic. I'm going to take this time to do a small group commercial. If you're not in a small group, I recommend one. Uh, the Beans lead one. Uh, the Ratkeys and Reynolds lead one. Uh, Reverend Jesse Jorgensen, who played electric guitar today, leads one. And the Rosinskis, who is myself and my wife, lead one. Mike's, we meet at Mike's house. Uh, in ours, we eat too much food together. We pray together. We study together. Um, and... And maybe this might be what you're looking for, where you can, like, in a group this big, you can come in and sneak out before anybody asks how you're really doing. Um, you're not leaving Tuesday at Mike's without a hug and somebody really caring about how you're doing. So, like, if, if you're trying to hide, great. If you need deeper community, small groups, um, I cannot recommend them. Like, if, if I didn't lead one, I would be in any of the other three. I've actually thought about asking them to change nights so I could do four a week, but that doesn't seem very efficient. But small groups, we can lean on others in our community. But we can also learn from the people of faith who have gone before us, both in Scripture <clears throat> excuse me, and in Christian history. Uh, I've read missionary biographies uh, and thought, man, I could never, never, ever, never, ever do that. Um, you know, sometimes I'll read them and feel kind of bad about myself because I haven't done the things that they have done. And then God will gently remind me that Hudson Taylor couldn't do that either. But God could do it through Hudson Taylor. We can read the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can read the stories in Scripture and of those who have gone before us, and our faith can be bolstered. Following Jesus is not a solo mission. In Hebrews 12, the writer tells us, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In life, as we walk through trials, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Our faith is an all-powerful, good, and loving God. In John's Gospel, chapters 14 to 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he is betrayed, beaten, and crucified. This is where he talks about the vine and the branches. It's where he tells them the Holy Spirit is coming. And near the end of chapter 16, in verse 32, Jesus says, Indeed, an hour is coming, and has come, when each of you will be scattered to his own home. And you will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Jesus tells his disciples that they will have suffering. Not the best pep talk, but the truth. But he says, be courageous or take heart because I have overcome the world. In a world full of fiery darts, of turmoil, of trial, of hard things, Jesus promises to be our peace. Your last blank there, Jesus doesn't promise a comfortable life. But through it all, we can trust his goodness. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I love you. God, thank you that you are good, that you are holy, that you are trustworthy. God, as we walk through this week, facing our trials, whatever they might be, God, would you remind us that you are with us? God, would you help us to have that little bit of faith in that big and powerful God? God, would you help me and help us to keep our eyes fixed on you through any storm, through any trial? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.